1: And this is Tom. And you're listening to History Teachers Talking Podcasts. All right, this is Peter Zablocki and Thomas Reska, and welcome back to the podcast.
0: Today, um, we're decided to kind of look into an era that a lot of time gets overshadowed in American history, or gets overshadowed, kind of brushed under the carpet after. Everything that happens with the American Civil War, and that's the um, Reconstruction era, and which was very a uh, mm-hmm. challenging time in U.S. history, politics, culture. They went through huge amounts of upheaval and change, and not all the changes were handled very well. You know, a lot of it created a lot of other additional conflicts and bitterness, and it led to a lot of problems which were had to be fixed 100 years later and still are not fixed today.
1: I, you know, I guess this is in lieu of, uh, of February being Black History Month. We we thought we wanted to do something that dealt with, um, you know, black history. And we kind of tossed a lot of ideas over, but we thought this was like a very big topic. And like you said, it's not often covered that much. Oftentimes, people know when you see reconstruction, a lot of people... Specifically, you know, people that might not have really paid attention in history, you know, back in the day in history class, not really sure what reconstruction is. So they're kind of like, oh, it just, you know, it's not doesn't say civil war in it, you know, it doesn't have the word slavery in it. But ultimately what reconstruction is about, it's about ending slavery, about officially ending slavery and transitioning African-Americans after the civil war into, I guess, a life of freedom. And that's yeah. what reconstruction really means. Yeah, it's it's the end of slavery.
0: It's basically an era, right, that lasts from you want. You can argue from the end of the Civil War, maybe a little bit before that, um, up until really the 1870s. It's basically 12, 15 years of conflict where America tried to recover and adjust, move forward, if you want, from uh, the bloody war of this of the Civil War. And um, it was basically that there. It was a lot of different parties wanted different things, and they lost. We lost our leader in Lincoln. So not having him there because he had his own plans for it, then having Johnson, the radical Republicans, it, it was just, it was just a mess a really. Mess. Yeah, it, was, yeah, a it mess. was a mess. And that mess was not solved The um, really how how it could have been in, in a, or not, not the best way.
1: Yeah. And I think a, a good place to start, and again, we'll run through the different various um, reconstruction plans that were instituted and we'll talk about how and why some of them failed while some might have been more successful. And then we'll kind of end with when Reconstruction ends and kind of what that meant for African-Americans going forward after Reconstruction ended. Traditionally and historically speaking, mostly historians believe that Reconstruction was at the end of the day a failure. And um, it is the reason why the African-Americans were unable to really come back into the fold of a mostly white society and therefore resulting with a lot of discrepancies and a lot of racism um, going forward and kind of what leads to eventually the, the civil rights movement. Well, yeah. If
0: reconstruction works out the way I guess it was originally intended to do, the civil rights era would have been un, that we know of, that we teach about, right? Not existent um, wouldn't, wouldn't have to be because it would be yep. tied in, in the reconstruction era. That yep. would be when it took place a hundred years prior, basically. Yep.
1: yep. So, uh, so let's get going. I, I kind of want to start actually with emancipation proclamation i think it's a good way to start because a lot of people specifically my students even you know but there's a belief that abraham lincoln ended slavery he took uh slaves away he made slavery illegal through his emancipation proclamation yeah um that is actually incorrect
0: yeah, which is a common misconception that a lot of people have the emancipation proclamation is really a something that lincoln puts in place but it's more of a military action right than anything else yep. and it's it's a, a military action used to hurt the South, and you can make the argument too, and I totally believe in this argument to keep other countries out of the war on on this on the Southern side. That's another reason why the Emancipation Proclamation goes in place. But um, yeah, go ahead, P. I don't want to take your thunder there. Yeah. you just want to explain. No, no, no this is good. It.
1: Absolutely. So, as you said, right, it was actually Proclamation Number Ninety Five. Um, mm-hmm. It was an executive order that's that's uh, issued by a Blinken on September twenty second of 1862 during the Civil War, and ultimately what Pro- Emancipation Proclamation did, it freed all slaves within the boundaries of the Confederate States of America.
0: Yeah, or any state that was in rebellion, which at this time, Lincoln didn't have any control over anyway. So yeah. all he's doing is freeing the slaves in areas of the country that he doesn't control. So really, it's yeah. it's just it, it's a, it, it really is just a proclamation. It's just something that he's saying. There's no they don't support the U.S. federal government, so they're not going to obviously follow this proclamation. But by it being put out there, now, now the civil war brings on more of a call. It's not just to preserve preserving union. Now it's also a war. It brings in that moral issue of ending slavery. Yes. And that is what, what we said before. It's going to keep the British, the French, all the European powers out of this war, because at this point they're against slavery and they're not going to come to the South's aid now.
1: I guess we should also mention that You know, to 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 take away slavery, and Lincoln said that when he was being elected. You know, I can't take away your property. It's unconstitutional for government to take away your property per se. The only way that slavery could end is with an actual amendment, and that's what ultimately does it, right? Slavery ends Mm -hmm. with the Thirteenth Amendment. It is not Lincoln's Proclamation. It is an amendment. It is passed by Congress because Congress uh, is the you know. Um, The part of the government that actually makes the laws, the president's job is simply to enforce those laws. So it was Congress that ended slavery and not Abraham Lincoln.
0: And that narrative just is is wrong, but it's also narrative that you can see how people make that mistake. And it does work a lot. It's easier just to say Lincoln passed the Emancipation Proclamation. That frees the slaves. There you go. Like it's it's a much easier than saying well not really it just freed the slaves in certain areas it did this and then that and then Congress passes years later right the Thirteenth Amendment and it, it's it's it can be a little more I don't want to say confusing but the it's 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 not it doesn't flow as well I guess you could say
1: yeah, I agree let's uh, let's get into it right um, technically the Reconstruction begins in the last like month of the war right
0: right it's obvious that the North is going to win. So this is already there. And Lincoln, at this point, is they're trying to decide, right, what are going to be the terms and conditions for the former Confederate states to rejoin the Union? Because that's really initially what this war is about, right, to preserve the Union. States are not out of succeed. We're going to preserve the United States. So Lincoln, um, his he has another proclamation, right, of amnesty and reconstruction, which basically he wanted to. We talked about this in one of our previous podcasts, right? He wanted the amnesty or pardon all the Stunners, right? All they had to do was mm-hmm. take an oath of loyalty back to the United States and accept the Union's proclamation concerning slavery. If they did that, and then they did, and then um, if ten percent of the voters in the states um, voted to take that oath, then they would be allowed to come back into the government. Yep. That, that's what Lincoln wanted to do. Now, they had individuals on other sides that did not want that, um, such as uh, what the Radical Republicans in um, Thaddeus Stevens, right, of Pennsylvania. Yep. Charles Summer, I think, of Massachusetts was another one. They didn't want to reconcile with the South. They wanted severe punishment for the South. There were calls by some of these senators, to actually, you, you take every single Southerner who raised arms against the United States and you hang them. Like, they literally yeah. wanted to do that to everybody. And all the senators and all of the um, people in government that went against, that left the United States, that walked out, that sided with the Confederacy, hang them. They are traitors to the, to the cause, to the United States. And they should not be allowed to simply come back into the fold because now they lost. But Lincoln did not support that. He's like, no, we have to show compassion. We have to give them this amnesty because otherwise you're just going to have constant – he didn't want basically guerrilla warfare to pop up all over the yeah. South. That's what he was worried about.
1: Yep. And he even said it famously in his second inaugural address, you know, with malice towards none, with charity for all. Yeah. Um, you know, his premise, like you said, was, hey, you know what? If ten percent, I mean, think about it. That's such a small, a small number, obscure number, right? If ten percent of the people of a given state simply say they are sorry, then the, the other ninety percent will be forgiven. Uh, please come back in. But he did say that any um, people that held. Any, any officials in the Confederate government or any military officers could not take this oath or be pardoned, right? That was one of his things. But for the yeah. most part, as you said, Lincoln's plan was like uber lenient. And right? there was a reason for that, obviously,
0: right? Oh, it, was a, it was a good deal. Like it was a good deal for them yeah. because they're going to come back in the country. You basically, it's almost like a redo in a way. Yep. Um, and that's what Lincoln's plan was. Now, the radical Republicans were uh, much more intense, right? They had three main goals. And theirs. They yeah. wanted to prevent the Confederate leaders from ever coming back to power. They didn't want any chance of yeah. them ever coming. They wanted the Republican Party to become very pa- powerful in the South. They wanted to have their like roots in the South. And then they wanted the federal government to help African Americans achieve a political equality. Uh, and the main thing with that was by guaranteeing them the right to vote in the South. They knew that it wouldn't be an issue in the North, or not as much of an issue in the North, but to guarantee African Americans the right to vote in the South was not going to be easy. And they knew that and they wanted things put in place to ensure that would happen. Those were like kind of their compromises. We'll kind of let some of this happen, but we want these things to, to take place also.
1: So and we also have to bring up the point that most of Congress at this point is Republican. It's I mean, Republican, yeah. yeah, think about it. All the opposition left Congress. All the opposition became the Confederate States of America. So what's left over in Congress is mostly Republicans. They're mostly radical Republicans. And now you have these... You know, vanquished. Um, I guess you know Dem- mostly Democrats that used to be the Confederates of America, and and you know they want to come back to the Union. I mean, albeit not necessarily, but they're they're coming back to the Union. And Congress is made up of their opposition, and so the opposition is like, look, we're going to call the shots here. And how are we going to come back? Very very simple. Yeah, you
0: can come back, but it's going to be on our terms, exactly. And one of those terms put in place, what was it called? The uh, Wade Davis Bill, right? Yep. That was introduced by Congress um, by basically radical and moderate Republicans. It wasn't just the radical Republicans. It was kind of a deal they could both agree on. Lincoln sees this and it has a lot of things we just talked about. And Lincoln's like, no, this is too harsh. If we try to put this in place, it's just going to create more problems. So, so you actually- want to go
1: over a little bit? Like, wait. So wait, Davis Bill, right? It basically required a majority. That's the major difference, as opposed to ten percent. Mm-hmm. It required a majority of the adult white males, right, in the former Confederate states, to take this oath of allegiance to the Union. And then um, the idea was that each state was going to hold this convention before they would be readmitted. And in this convention, they would have to officially abolish slavery. Um, And they also had to deprive all former Confederate government officials and military officers the right to vote or hold office. So basically, it's like each state had to themselves punish their own military officers. And And not not
0: giving the right to vote while giving... African Americans, right? These former slaves, the right yeah. to vote. Lincoln just knew that's not going to go over well. You're taking yeah. vote away from some individuals but giving it to others. Um, it's just not going to as something that's going to go over very. It's going to be a tough pill to swallow, basically. So he vetoes it. Wait, so he leaves it for a pocket veto by um, letting not the session it, expire right? without signing it. But um, yeah, yeah and, and that was one of the. And then when that dies, when that when the Wade Davis Bill dies, so does a lot of um, the Republican the, the harsh. Republican support for this.
1: You know what it always got me thinking? You know, Lincoln it goes down as one of the greatest presidents of all time. And, and and rightfully so, I think. However, I'm really curious what Lincoln's legacy would have been had he lived to implement his reconstruction plan.
0: I always tell my students this, is that Lincoln is considered, and rightfully so, this larger in life icon, but he was he didn't have that type of clout when he was president. He yeah. he was he was not well liked when he was president by a lot of people even in his own party and in, in around the country. It really wasn't until after his assassination that people were like, "Oh man, this guy. We were lucky to have him." And yeah. he was very really seen as this like you know great figure. And obviously, as the years have gone by, the narrative changes and things of that nature, and it really makes him into this you know he's on Mount Rushmore on the money like he's he's right up there with the Washingtons, right. Um, but yeah, if he was still alive, would that have happened? I would think he'd still have to be a major point in history, but it would have been interesting to see what, what he would have done.
1: Yeah. Especially because his plan was so unpopular with Congress and also because Johnson, which we're going to get to in a minute, Johnson, basically Johnson's plan is Lincoln's plan. It is Lincoln's plan. And Johnson wants him getting impeached because they think he's like a terrible racist president.
0: Yeah. But Johnson also didn't have the, the skills that Lincoln had.
1: Yeah, no, no. He,
0: he he wasn't the he wasn't the not only the presence, but he he didn't he didn't have like those 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 speaking skills. He didn't
1: have the negotiation you know cool skills. Though? Um what's cool with him too is that, you know, talking about like the quote behind every great man is a greater woman. His wife literally taught him how to read.
0: Yeah. Do
1: you know that? Like she taught him how to read, you know, when they got married. And you know, he obviously rose through the presidency of the United States. So God, you know, God bless White Davis, Bill, as you said, pocket veto, Lincoln is kind of clashing with his Congress, which is very much trying to say, no, if anybody comes back, they come back on our terms. Um, meanwhile, while this is happening, there's a few things that are already being instituted um, in the South. Again, in like the last month of the war, the war just ended a few months following on kind of what to do with all these freedmen, these ex-slaves. Um, and one of the first things that is created when Lincoln is still alive is actually Freedmen's Bureau. Yeah. Right, because initially what happened here is essentially um there's so many freedmen that started following Sherman, General Sherman actually, when he was kinda going and ravishing the South, um, a lot of African Americans abandoned their plantations. And what happened is Sherman eventually got a piece of land, right? Um, about thirty miles of the coast from Charleston, South Carolina, um going towards Jacksonville, Florida, and he kind of used this piece of land for African Americans. Like over a few months, like that became almost like a big camp of what to do with all these freed slaves. And there was a decision, like, what do we do with them, right? How do we, how do we reintroduce them into everyday life as freed men? So this Freedmen Bureau, um, which is essentially a Bureau of Refugees, Right. Is, um, was given a task of feeding and clothing these war refugees, first and foremost. And then they did this using army sur- um, surplus at first, right? Then in uh, September of 1865, so the war's over, it provides uh, about like 30,000 rations a day for the next year. And essentially, it's trying to just prevent starvation. Remember, all these people kind of left their plantations, uh, just you know so excited that they're free now. But now, now it's like, refugee, well, where do we but go? It's,
0: it's they're free, but
1: now what? Exactly. Like, where do we go? Um, the Bureau also helped a lot of them. And the Bureau worked for, for years. This is just the beginning of it. Now, we're talking 65, a couple months after the war ends. Um, they initially helped former enslaved people find work, right, on plantations, and negotiated labor contracts for them, um, like how much you know, they would get paid, so on and so forth. And one of the things that comes out of this, which never happens during this era, early era Freedmen's Bureau, is... Bureau, some people in the Bureau are arguing this idea that all freedmen should be given 40 acres and a mule. I don't know if you remember that. Yes. That was like one of the famous speeches of Malcolm X, you know, a hundred years later. He's like, you know, I've, I never got my 40 acres and a mule. However, the idea here would violate individual property rights. So Congress rejects this idea of confiscation. Because the, the 40 acres and a mule, that was supposed to be taken from Confederates, ex-Confederates. So the idea was, we'll take these plantations of Southern men and will divvy up their land and give 40 acres to each slave. And Congress rejected it saying that it, you know, violates individual property rights. But the biggest, I think, key of the Freedmen's Bureau is what they do with regards to education. Right. I mean, that's kind of what I got out of it is that Freedmen's Bureau was instrumental in educating African-Americans. Well, they realized um, how that was important,
0: important, important having that education, uh, education yep. is. Like Booger T. Washington was a major force in that, right? Uh, he worked. Uh, he worked to help them find jobs and get education. He realized if they're going to break, just their, their, where they are, that ceiling that they're in society as being former slaves, which a lot of them didn't have a very good education or didn't have, couldn't or read or none, write, yeah, or none at all, yeah. right? Um, that if they wanted to change that, you know, their lot in society, they were going to need that education. That was going to be an important tool.
1: Yeah, but uh, it said that. By 1870, so within five years after the Civil War, some 4,000 schools and 9,000 teachers, um, they say roughly half of them were African-American teachers actually from the North, taught about 200,000 former slaves um, of all ages. You know, and that just shows the importance of education. By, um, by 1870s, Reconstruction governments um, built like, a comprehensive public school system. Uh, By 1876, about 40% of all African-American children, that's roughly 600,000 students, attended school. Um, And all that starts off technically during Lincoln's presidency, um, working together with Congress on this idea of Freedmen's Bureau. But then Lincoln gets shot. Yes.
0: That that kind of throws a wrench in everything.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So Lincoln gets shot and President Johnson just a quick background on President Johnson. So Johnson is a kind of one of those accidental presidents. First of all, he's a Southern Democrat, right? So again, Lincoln is the, like the Republican guy, the face of the Republican Party, anti-slavery um, Republican North Party. Andrew Johnson is a Southerner, right? He's from Tennessee, and he used to own slaves, and he's a Democrat before the Civil War happens. But what really kind of redeems him is that when tennessee secedes from the union johnson chooses to remain loyal right he stays in the senate um as a senator and that kind of makes him a the more or less like a hero in the north right and then eventually when union troops advance into tennessee in 62 and take tennessee back um lincoln appoints johnson as the military governor of that state and then when lincoln is running for re-election which is often the case uh, you know same thing with which is ironic because that's kind of what the other Johnson was chosen for 100 years later, you know, is to get Southern votes. Um, in this case, Lincoln wanted to get these border states, these states that had slaves but chose to stay in the Union. He wanted that vote because as you said at the beginning, Tom, Lincoln was not the most popular president across the nation. No, because there was
0: a lot, of, a lot of people, and I guess this is something we could always discuss another time in the podcast, right? Nah. They, they saw that, you know, this Civil War, no one thought it was going to be going on this long. Couple of battles. That's it. But the fact that it was still going on, there's many, many reasons why. But a lot of the blame did fall on Lincoln. Like, why can't you just end this war? Remember, Lincoln is running a campaign while they're while they are fighting a war in the country. Yep. He's trying to get reelected while fighting a war in the country. Literally. Remember. So it, he, yeah, there was a lot of like people that just felt like you know if this war should have never happened or wouldn't wouldn't have happened or should be over by now if he had someone else in charge. Maybe some, maybe we need new leadership and then this work can finally end.
1: Yep. So, um, so John, you know, Johnson is picked by Lincoln to kind of boost that his chance of winning. And it does, it does help him. He wins. Um, and then this is where it kind of gets a little interesting. Lincoln gets shot. Johnson becomes president. And now it's up to Johnson to create this plan. And what he does, what he does, as we mentioned, is his restoration program is very similar to Lincoln's, Right. So what what does Johnson do? Well, his
0: plan was basically very similar, like you said, he was going to offer pardon to all former citizens of the Confederacy as long as they take an oath of loyalty to the Union and return, mm-hmm. and all their property be returned to them. Yep. Uh, there was some exclusions from this plan, where all former Confederate officers and officials, and all former Confederates who owned property worth more than twenty grand, they could individually ask the president for a pardon, and Johnson would decide on a case by case basis whether or not to um, give them a pardon
1: or not. Yep, and And he does. That's the problem. He does. He He, he gives pardons to all of these. Essentially, all of the Confederate government leaders that chose to secede from the Union in the first place are now allowed through these, you know, specific um, individual pardons. They're allowed to be reelected again. So what starts to happen, which is what kind of freaks out the the you know Congress, mostly Republican Congress, like as you said. If most of these people signed these loyalty oaths, then they could come back to the Union. And then there was one other kind of option, not option, but I guess the procedure. was... the
0: thing they had to do, yeah.
1: Yeah, so this procedure was that each, um, there's like a model, right? Uh, Before it could be readmitted to the Union, each former Confederate state had to call on this Constitutional Convention and they had to revoke its ordinance of secession, meaning we're sorry, we seceded. And they had to ratify the new 13th Amendment. So the 13th Amendment was passed again, by Congress, because the opposition's gone, and the 13th Amendment outlaws slavery across the United States, right? So the deal is, this is the addition to the deal that wasn't around during Lincoln, because, again, that that wasn't really around that long during Lincoln. Um, But everyone signs a, or majority, rather, um, signed this loyalty oath, and then the state basically apologizes as a state, and they ratified the 13th Amendment that slavery is officially outlawed. And then they could send their senators and representatives back to Congress. And for the most well, part,
0: the southern states did this, right?
1: Yes, they did. it very quickly, actually. And Johnson said Reconstruction's over within like a couple months. He goes, all right, everyone did this. Clap yeah, hands. It's, it's awesome. not
0: good. Yeah, he just was like, good. Everything's good. And he's like, no, it's not quite that simple. It's yeah, and the good. reason it's
1: not simple, right, is because most of the people that came back or appeared in Congress and were reelected back to Congress – Were literally the same people that chose to secede, yeah right? So the Republicans in Congress are like, "Wait a second! You're getting these die-hard, borderline racist." It's not borderline; they are by
0: today's standards, they're racist. I mean, oh, extremely racist. racist, Yes, I Um, mean they're racist. These are people who fought to keep slavery. Now slavery is gone, so like, all right, they're going to institute new things, right? Uh, Even though slavery's gone, they're going to find kind of ways around it, and they're angry. That's the thing, too. Like. Johnson, I'm sorry to interrupt. You, no, go, 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 go. You got it. Go. Johnson a lot of time is talking about uh, everything's going to be, everything's good now. It's done. It's like, no, it's not. Because the South at this time, there's a lot of hate and there's a lot of resentment, right? That yeah. is boiling these people because you just had four years of war. You're not suddenly just going to become friends with everybody again, just because it's yeah. over. So th- there's this anger and this hatred. And now that, you know, and they're going to say, listen, you did steal our property because they saw slaves as property. As messed up as that sounds today, that's what they saw things as. So now you're you're taking my property away from me. You're making it harder for me to make a living. All right, because a lot of them are broke anyway, because their farms are destroyed during you know the fighting. So it, it's you know they have to rebuild their life and they are gonna hold this resentment against the northerners. So and they vote in these people that they trusted when they were part of the Confederacy. Now they're gonna trust again now that they're part of the United States.
1: Yep. So one thing you kind of touched upon, but I, I don't want to elaborate, is this idea of black codes. And my students often get confused I when I talk it, about yeah. black codes. Yeah, they, like, they think I'm talking about Jim Crow laws. I'm not. They're, they're different things. Yeah. Um, again, Jim Crow laws is something that is instituted and stays in until up to 1950s. Uh, black codes, we're talking about 1860s, like right after the Civil War. So right after the Civil War, while on a federal level, according to Johnson's plan, all of these Southern states are kind of like, all right, all is forgiven. You know, here's our new congressmen aka old congressmen um they could come back to the federal congress on a state level all of these states and legislators um in the south passed these series of laws known as black codes and their idea was okay so slavery is outlawed because they agreed to the 13th amendment but that doesn't mean you could you can't still subjugate blacks which is where the black codes come into play and, and basically
0: limited their rights um Absolutely. As, as, as individuals okay and they were put in place and they varied from state to state so it, what they had in georgia was very different from what you have in mississippi and texas so they were different depending on the state yep but a lot of them was basically to make sure that they could not vote or um basically almost put them in a state of um a lot of a lot of times um like a state of indentured servitude right that so, all right you, you're gonna come you're gonna work on the plantation again. And we're going to pay you, but it's not going to – but you have to pay for your housing. You have to pay for exactly. your food. You have to pay for your tools. And we'll just take that out of the paycheck that we give you. And really, so a lot of these African-Americans get the exact same – are in the exact same conditions that they were during slavery. They were they free. Went the they went back to the same plantations. They were back to the same plantations. They couldn't find yeah. anything else. That's something that the, like the, the Freemans were and stuff that was trying to prevent. But they couldn't do that for everybody. And some mm-hmm. sort some no other options that right now I'm going to go keep on working the field. So I am a free man. They can leave if they want to, but could they really, you know, yep. e- economically they had nowhere else to go.
1: Yeah. And, and that's and sad. That's sad. It's, you know, it was terrible. It was basically slavery by another name. I'm to the point that yeah. if you were not employed, some of the black codes, right? Mississippi specifically in South Carolina, if you were not, if you did not have written evidence of employment, you could be arrested and then you could be essentially given away as like an appre- like like apprenticeship kind of thing where they would force you to work. You, If you were black, you had to be employed. And then as you mentioned, right, you ha- you were mostly employed in the same plantation and they like fake paid you because like, well, we would pay you. But, you know, there's slave quarters now. That's like your, you know, your house. You got to pay for that. Yeah. Oh, the food you used to get. Well, you, you got to pay for that now. So so it was your clothes. It was, it
0: was the tools. It was everything. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and they were able to be beaten. That's a whole other thing, right? Um, so in South Carolina, right, law prohibited black people from holding any occupation other than farmer or servant. Um, and if you wanted to be something different than farmer or servant, you had to pay an annual tax of close to $100, which is impossible to have for a former slave, right, at the end of the year. Um, also, you had... So another idea that was here that... If you were in any way shape or form leaving a plantation if you were under a contract, you could be whipped again like this is supposed to be not slavery anymore but this is slavery but it is yeah And it, last one if you were uh, if you were a child below the age of 16 I think and your um, African-American parents were or one of them was not employed and it could not show employment, then you would be taken away from your uh, you were considered like your parents were unfit. Um, Because, you know, they couldn't raise you properly. Um, And the state would take you take these children and basically make them orphans. And they would put them again as like an apprenticeship kind of thing, um, where they would be doing work without any compensation whatsoever. Around 10,000 BCE, families and tribes of the ancestors to the people of Britain would arrive in the southern part of the island after crossing from land that bridged from Europe. The Welsh built houses, communities, kingdoms, and continued to survive through Romans, Saxons, Danes, and Normans. The language and culture influenced by these sources continued to change and thrive, becoming ancient and modern at the same time. Join me as we travel through the history, meeting the kings, queens, nobles, and everyday people that create. And grew modern Wales from the seeds of the ancient past. Creoso and welcome to the Welsh History Podcast. It's just insane. So, all this stuff is going on under Johnson.
0: Yeah, and all this happened, and this enraged the Northerners. Yes. So, they were like, no, no, this is not what we fought this war for. This is not what it's, this is not going to happen. And Johnson just lets it happen because, again, he doesn't want there to be another civil war, he doesn't want there to be any more violence. Militarily wise, right? Even though there's violence against African Americans, he's kind of like, well, that's us, you know. That's that's a growing pains, right? It's just yeah. something that the country is going to have to endure. Um, but they they do want things to go into place here, right? So in right so in March of 1866, right, Congress passed the Civil Rights Act of 1866. Right, there's going to mm-hmm. be civil rights acts again later on. A lot of people forget there was one in 1866. And that basically um, gives citizenship to all people born in the United States, all right, except Native Americans, which is again, which is a whole other other podcast, right? Um, (laughs) But it allows African Americans to own property, to be treated equally in court, and it grants the US government the right to sue people who violate these rights. That's a big thing. That that, they can now sue individuals. If you are impeding on the rights of other individuals, you can be sued. That's that's a bold step by the government, right?
1: Which you mentioned this is mostly done still by these radical Republicans in Congress. And they're so afraid that if these Democrats make it back into Congress, that they would never pass the Fourteenth Amendment. So they quickly kind of petitioned Supreme Court to over basically turn the Civil Rights Act into the Fourteenth Amendment. Like the Civil Rights Act of 1866. Yeah, it becomes the 14th Amendment, basically. Becomes this yeah. 14th Amendment. Which
0: changed a little bit, right? That's basically what it grants citizenship to all persons born or nationalized in the US. Yeah. And that there's basically no state could – this is the big thing with it, right? That no state could deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law. Yeah. Obviously, if you're found guilty of certain crimes, they can be taken away. No state can deny any person equal protection of these laws. And that happens uh, – Congress passes that in um, June of 1866, and the states have to go ratify it. And that's a major issue in the uh, congressional election of 1866. And mm-hmm. Johnson was actually against the 14th Amendment. He wanted the Northern voters to elect a new majority in Congress that would support his plan for reconstruction. Um, but because of a lot of the increased violence against African-Americans and their supporters, it up in the South that um, the Republicans actually won a two to one majority in Congress because of that. Yeah. So, and that's where that's also going to lead to the impeachment trial, right?
1: Yep. Military construction, March, 1867 um, congressional Republicans passed the military reconstruction act. Um, and that point now they could kind of do this because all of these moderates be, just became these radical Republicans. They become
0: radicals because of the Black Codes. The Black Codes just enrage yes. them that they're like, all right, we can't compromise with these Democrats at this point. We can't compromise with Johnson that you know, Lincoln's dream is is this is not what Lincoln wanted. And we're going to wind up right where we started from if we don't take action now. That's basically what they're arguing, yep. what they're saying.
1: So they ignore Johnson's program. They basically go back to all these states that Johnson said, yeah, you could, you know, you're good. reconstruction is over. You could come back to the, to Congress. And, uh, Congress says, nope, you're no, not coming please, back. Not, yeah. Except for Tennessee, right? Yes. Tennessee is the only one because they, um, actually they ratified, ratified the 14th they Amendment.
0: They ratified the 14th Amendment with no, with no issue. Yeah.
1: Yep. So Tennessee comes back, uh, which is ironic considering, you know, Johnson, but uh, is from Tennessee. But, um it wipes out Johnson's program altogether. And they're like, we're starting from scratch. And this becomes known as military reconstruction. It is yeah. 1867 and it's already the third reconstruction plan and this in, is like, the reconstruction. in like a year and a half. You know This what is mean? the
0: reconstruction that people know. Like if you study, this is the one that people are aware of. This is one that when they think reconstruction with the military occupation, right? The Northern troops there. Um,
1: yeah. So, what it's, is it, Tom? What's uh, well, what's this military construction?
0: Basically, each former state now has to hold another one of those constitutional conventions, right? That we talked mm-hmm. about before. They have to write a brand new constitution, and Congress has to accept it. So, basically, they're doing like rough drafts, and if Congress says no, you better add this, this, or this. They reject it. You're still not you're still not accepted back into the union. Mm-hmm. And each constitution had to had to give the right to vote to all adult male citizens. So again, women, sorry, okay, that's going to take a yeah, while. No. Right. We should
1: do a we should do like a women's right nineteenth amendment. Oh yeah, absolutely. We have, have to
0: get into all those. Absolutely. And in some ways, women see that's all adult male. Okay, fine. You know, like it's just like we're good, we, we're fighting for everyone's rights, but just male rights. Let's let's not get like too crazy here, right? Yeah. So again, that's the mindset that we're that we're dealing with. Um, and anyway, uh, the Constitution had to give the right to all the male voters, adult male. And after the state ratifies his new Constitution, it had to ratify the Fourteenth Amendment. Fourteenth uh, Amendment. And the state could elect people to Congress after that. Yep. And the Republicans fear that Johnson would refuse to enforce this act. That was they were really worried about.
1: Yep. So uh, because of the fact that they feel like Johnson's gonna screw this up altogether, so they don't trust Johnson. However, they do trust his Secretary of War, Edwin uh, Stanton, right? And they because he officially agrees with this plan. And so this is Secretary of War under Johnson, but he agrees with the radical, you know, military reconstruction plan. And also, um, generally, Ulysses S. Grant, who's like the head of the army at this point, also supports this plan. So these guys are like, all right, well, Johnson's not going to support it. He's going to try to, you know, basically veto the crap out of this. So they're like, you know, why don't we bypass Johnson? So, you know, what they do is they pass these two acts. Congress passes these two acts. Well, first one is command of the Army Act, um, which requires that all orders from the president – to go through the headquarters of the general of the army or Grant's headquarters before they are issued, even though he's a commander in chief, I'm not even sure if that's a constitutional, you know, amendment, but not amendment uh, law. But they
0: constitutional if it'd be allowed, like that could right? be
1: yeah, like yeah. that was it was basically they're trying to mess with Johnson. And the second one is the biggie here: the Tenure of Office yes, Act. That was a big thing. Yeah, so it requires the Senate to approve the removal of any government official whose appointment had required the Senate's consent so they're afraid that edward stanton the secretary of war is going to officially back this military reconstruction plan of the republicans in congress and they're afraid that johnson might fire him so they pass a law that says that he basically can't do it well johnson's like what i'm the president so yeah he fires february 21st 1868 and that's when first of all, this is funny, because Stan like barricades himself inside his office and refuses to leave. He right? He's
0: like, I'm not going anywhere. You can't fire me. And he's in Johnson's like, No, you're fired, get out. Like I yep. mean, these are the people
1: running the country. Yep. <laughs> and that's when the house is like, Uh oh, he just broke the rule of law, you know, he went against the law. So they the uh, the House of Representatives votes to impeach Johnson and becoming the first president. To ever be impeached, which basically means he's being charged with high crimes and misdemeanors, yeah. right? In office.
0: Yeah. And if found guilty, he could be removed from office.
1: Yes. Um, but this is kind of, this kind of gets interesting. So on May 16th, 1868, the Senate votes 35 to 19 that Johnson was guilty, but that is one vote short of conviction. Of conviction, yeah. So and they do this on, on purpose.
0: Well, they're also worried about what's going to happen. And they want to show a message, too, right? It's they're like, afraid you know, of it's what's going to happen if they actually do this.
1: Exactly. Like, if we fire a president just because he doesn't agree with congressional policies, they're like we're opening up a can of like, ooh, right? Because think about it. That means every single time a president doesn't agree with congressional policies, then does Congress have the right to impeach and throw him out of office? And that's why they're like they kind of stopped with like they impeached yeah. him, but then they're like, okay, we're not going to remove him. And it didn't really but, matter
0: anyway because the impeachment exactly. took away whatever little power he had left,
1: and so he you're, doesn't. You're
0: right. it, 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 it makes him like a lame duck anyway. And um, so much so it kind of breaks him too. He doesn't even run for re-election in 1868. And now that's when Lizzie S. Grant becomes a Republican candidate. And this is, you know, he's the war hero. So he's a president of Union soldiers in the South, helped African-Americans vote in large numbers. So Grant easily wins the election, easily. And the Republicans keep majorities in both the House and Congress.
1: Yep. And uh, one thing we kind of didn't stress—you mentioned it, but I feel like we never we never stressed this out—during this military reconstruction, right? So Congress is now in charge of reconstruction. Uh, president Johnson is literally a joke. Um, Ulysses S. Grant becomes president, and Ulysses S. Grant basically believes that the president's job is to kind of just enforce laws passed by Congress. So Congress still runs the show. Congress literally runs the United States government, actually, for like the next. Probably 15, 20 years, which is why there's so many presidents during this time that no one remembers because they're known as like the string of forgotten presidents, you know, because Congress had so much more power. Today, when we think of the government, federal government, you know, we always think of the president, like the leader, the face of the nation, the one that makes all the decisions. But in reality, it's not. It's obviously there's three branches in our government. Well, in this case, it was Congress that was boss, right? But what we need to kind of mention is the fact that Congress broke the the Con- Confederacy rather um, into five military section. districts, right? It takes so, time before they all come back. Yes, and these five military districts are the Union. There's a Union general that is placed in charge of each district. These are this is an occupation of the South.
0: Yeah, by Northern um, troops. They are in literally the, they are in towns. They are in the cities. They walk the streets, and this is one reason that again this is building. For like 10 he, years, by the way. Yeah, Lincoln, like 10 I, I think you talked about before earlier about Lincoln being alive, how would he have done it? I don't know if he would have sent troops into the South like this. And if he did, I don't think they would, he would have wanted them to be there this long, definitely. Yeah. Maybe to go and enforce to ensure that African-Americans are getting certain protections. I could see that. You can make that argument, but for the duration—not obviously he wouldn't have still been president anyway—but yeah. the duration and this, the extent I which they were there, which the longer they're there, it's just making more and more resentment.
1: Yeah, we well, you know it's funny. He could have been president because yeah, the there was no there was twenty-second no amendment. amendment wasn't a thing yet. Yeah, yeah. but
0: you know, Lincoln is a great example. I always I used to say this to my students: if you look at a picture of Lincoln before oh, he man. was president and then after he was president, just the stress – and you can see there's a lot of presidents. If you go look at yeah. what they were I'm mean, not granted, it's eight years sometime, people are gonna age a little bit, but the stress of the job, I mean, it ages you. And Lincoln is yeah. a great example of that. If you just look at Lincoln, a picture of him in eighteen sixty and a picture of him in eighteen sixty five before he's put to death, uh, before he put to death, excuse me, before he's assassinated. <laughs> put to death put to death, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, well, I mean I guess. But, I guess I uh, guess in a way, in a way. But um, yeah, he, he you can see the stress. You can see the age that that the aging that took place because of hardship of leadership, you know?
1: Yeah. So we have this military rule for like 10 years. You literally have soldiers in the South that are ensuring and making sure that these States are doing the right thing according to this Republican rule. And as such, once they do the right thing, they are eventually readmitted to to the union. And and for the most part, most of these states come back. You know, they do come the back. Time. Uh, yeah. Well, they, the
0: one main thing they have to do is they have to accept the um the 14th Amendment and the 15th Amendment, which is yep. guaranteeing the right to vote that it can't be denied on account of race, yep. color, or previous servitude. And that becomes part of the Constitution, 1870. But the states have to agree to this. And there's four states that it takes a bit of time. They don't get readmitted, actually, until 1870. And yeah. that's Virginia, Mississippi, Texas, and Georgia. Um, it takes a while for them to finally agree to this 15th Amendment. That's really what it is. They're, just, they're not happy with the 15th Amendment because they have such large African-American populations in some of these states that they know that giving that the right to vote now, that's going to make it very difficult for their leaders, the ones that they want to be in power to
1: get in power. Yep. And again, 15th Amendment is another one of those amendments that is passed when Congress is mostly under Republican rule. The opposition is still not there because they need to now, Congress keeps on like changing the rule book. Like, you know, first it's, you have to agree to the 13th amendment to come back. Now you have to agree to the 14th amendment as well. And now it's, you have to agree to the 15th. So until you do that, you cannot come back. And as you said, for some of these, it takes forever. And And again, at this whole time, you have military, literally soldiers occupying the South, which is, which is a little intense. And that's one reason why the South turned
0: so Democrat in this time, right? The Democrat really becomes like a regional party. And it would remain like that, and it becomes known as what, like the um, the Solid South, right, for decades yep. to come. And this played into the national politics and regional strains and differences for years to come, years to come, literally hundreds, a uh, hundred years. It takes yep. when you are and you are having all these uh, strains and these differences, and it all starts here. It's all coming yep. from this era from recon, from Reconstruction.
1: Yep. So during this time, right, it's it appears that Reconstruction is working. And it appears that reconstruction is working primarily because, you know, for the first time, you have African-American, like, leadership. You know, African-Americans are being not only, they're not only voting, they're being elected to office. You know, they're politically organizing. Um, You have, you know, a lot of the initial leadership of African-American communities actually comes from the north. Uh, They're individuals that were educated in the north and then um, came down south after the war. But... What is happening here is you have direct participation by African-Americans. These are, you know, we're talking about these are people that were enslaved just a few short years before. Like sometimes, you know, they're like two, three years removed from being enslaved on a plantation. And now they're running for office and winning. Winning. Um, Dozens of African-Americans served in southern state legislators. Right. Fourteen were elected to the U.S. House of Representatives. Uh, And two were elected to the Senate during this reconstruction, this military reconstruction time. Um, Although no African-American was elected governor. So the States were still, you could tell that this was more of like the federal government enforcing compliance. You know what I mean? Like, you know, know African-Americans during this
0: time, they had, um, there was what um, three enforcement acts put in place. And one of them, in the South to end violence. And one of them was basically it put um, federal elections under the supervision of federal marshals so yes. that really prevented any voter um, intimidation to that from taking place. But you didn't have that in the non-federal elections. And that's one reason why yeah, you see what you saw.
1: Yep. And uh, the Republican governments also repealed all the black codes. Um, obviously they rebuild railroads, railways, bridges, uh, establish a um, public system um, of schools or, you know, public schools And again, this is all happening under military rule, So it's, it's It's as if the opposition, yeah, yeah, it's being forced upon the South in a sense. And that's why you have this resentment. And one of the first like big resentments that really kind of comes into play here is um, the KKK. I mean, essentially KKK is born from this resentment because they believe that they can't openly strike against Republican uh, running their states know, Republicans. So they, these are secret societies, and the Ku Klux Klan starts initially in 1866, um, and it grows. It grows super, you know, quickly. And one goal was to kind of drive out these carpetbaggers, which were basically Northerners that came down South to kind of, you know, make money out of the South. Um, and the other one was to intimidate African American voters, so that way. They don't vote for Republicans, so they don't vote for African-Americans. So that way, the Democrats could somehow regain power in the South. Um, they broke up Republican meetings. They drove um, Freedom Bureau officials out of their communities. They burned African-American homes, schools, churches, and did essentially anything they, they could to keep African-Americans and white Republicans from voting. And then these enforcement acts that you were talk, talking about, Tom, kind of directly stem from the KKK. I mean, this is- Yeah, well, one of
0: them was the third part of the enforcement act. which made any KKK activity illegal. Yep. So it forces them underground for a number of years.
1: But as, as you saw, you know, it's interesting here is they arrested more than- So like more than 3,000 Klan members are arrested under this enforcement act. But then by the, you know, Southern juries only convicted about 600 out of those 3,000. And even then, they didn't give them any prison time.
0: Yeah. You know, it's, and kind of- and you're going to see that for the next hundred years.
1: Yep. You're
0: going to see it for the next hundred years. So you're having all that. I guess we can just go with a bit more of like power reconstruction ultimately starts to like fall apart. Yep. And one reason is, yes, Grant was a great war general, I guess you can say, but he was not exactly a very strong leader, right? A president anyway. Yep. And one reason for that is um, he didn't really have political experience but he also believed that his only role as president, like you said earlier, was to carry out the laws. That was it. Yep. So he let Congress really develop most of the policy, and that left the president. He, he was basically weak and ineffective, right? Yeah. But by not being having this strong hand, this like leadership role, it helped. The, um, it really helped the Republican Party really divide itself, and they started under, and that led to a lot of undermined support, public support anyway, for the Reconstruction. And um, as this is going on, the Republican-controlled Congress did want to enforce reconstruction, but they're still trying to expand the country. So they're still trying mm-hmm. to expand programs to promote commerce in this street. And by doing this, they keep the tariffs really high. They mm-hmm. tighten a lot of banking regulations. They increase federal spending on railroads, which is going to come to bite them, um, port facilities, postal system. And they also kept in place what's known as syntaxes, right? The idea of let's tax heavily alcohol and tobacco. And the Democrats attack this. And they say, listen, Republicans are doing this, and this is just going this is just keeping the wealthy Americans rich at the expense of the poor. Yeah,
1: and because this, the poor were the poor people were yeah. the ones that used alcohol and tobacco, right? Yeah. And, and so th-
0: then you're getting a lot of support now f- for these Democrats now, or these more liberal Republicans, as they're being called. Um because they're you know they're saying maybe we should repeal some of these or maybe we should be focusing more to help the the poor or the less the Americans that are not as well off than just these policies that are really just helping help helping the rich. And they're saying the war is over now. But what about us like the the northerners yeah. are saying you know the poor northerners the middle class northerners are saying you're doing all this stuff for former slaves and that's great, but what about us? we helped win this war too, you know? Yeah.
1: And a lot of this money was also needed for the fact that again, you have a military occupation of the South. Like it's you, gotta pay, yeah. you gotta pay this military, right? So they that's what they were taxing. And and so you, what you start to see is all of a sudden the Democratic Party in the elections is starting to like gain, you know, votes. They're starting to yeah. gain um, like what's the word I'm looking for constituents, I guess. And then current doesn't really help the situation. Right. Well,
0: again it's not necessarily grant he doesn't do much but also That's he does he does win he does win the election right? he yep. um, in 1872. Yep. but his second term was like a lot of scandals and no he wasn't really himself scandalous um his secretary of War accepted bribes right you yeah. had um, a lot of other, in, other individuals you had that um you had a lot of those railroad investments came back to bite the government when the um Railroad companies declared bankruptcy, and that and creates the panic, right? yeah. panic of 73, which is basically like a depression. And it caused many small banks to close, the start market the fall, and thousands of businesses closed. And it left a lot of Americans unemployed. And that's why in 74, the Democrats win control of the House, and they gained seats in the Senate, which yeah. you wouldn't think would happen. So this is not even 10 years since the Civil War ended, and since Reconstruction began, now a lot of those radical Republicans are out, and these... Democrats are coming in and they are pro South.
1: Yep. I mean, Democrats were ultimately, you know, the ones that kind of initiated the idea of a civil war in the first place. And now, you yep. know, now you have the Democrats coming back into the fold. And as you said, they're, they, they control Congress, you know, yeah, all they of a want to sudden, and, the Senate.
0: That's what they want to do. They, they yep, say they want to redeem redeemer, the South.
1: Yep. Um, so they're, again, again, they're kind of fed up by, This panic of 1873, right? They're fed up with military reconstruction. They're fed up with the really high taxes. Um, People wanted to change. And that's kind of what happens, right? When people are unhappy, they usually look to their leadership like, all right, well, clearly I'm unhappy. The leadership is not doing what it's supposed to do. So um, this is where it kind of gets a little interesting. Grant's reputation is damaged. So they actually, they choose not to nominate him for the third term. He could have if he wanted to. In 1876. But this becomes known as – this whole debacle becomes known as the Compromise of 1877, and this is the official end of Reconstruction. Yeah. Right? So in 1876, um, the Republicans nominate Rutherford B. Hayes. He's a former governor of Ohio. And they say that he's kind of like a very – he's like a Jimmy Carter of his time, you know, like – No scandals, very like proper, and no one can pin any other thing. Yeah, he wants
0: to end radical republic reconstruction. He says that. He says if I'm I'm going to end this radical reconstruction, it's time for the country to move on, basically.
1: Yep. So the Democrats uh, nominate Samuel Tilden, um, wealthy corporate lawyer from uh, New York. He was governor of New York. Well, on election day, Tilden uh, wins the election, right, with 184 electoral votes. But at that time, that is one short of a majority. And there Hace, was a lot, of,
0: a lot of election fraud, right? They couldn't really tell who actually won.
1: Yeah, so Hayes won 165 electoral votes um, versus the 184 of Tilden. So there was like 20 votes in dispute, right? And 19 of the votes were in three southern states where Republicans still controlled. So Louisiana, South Carolina, and Florida. And there's, like you said, so much election fraud that no one really could tell, like, who won this presidency. So Congress appoints this 15-person committee. And the committee is actually made up of more Republicans and Democrats. um, But it's made up of senators, House of Rep uh, members, as well as Supreme Court justices. And this commission recommends that we should give this election to Hayes, Hayes, which is yeah. interesting because Hayes didn't win. Like he had 165 electoral votes to Tilden's Democrat, you know, 184. So there's this big debate, and Southern Democrats actually join with Republicans um, in a Democrat-controlled House of Representatives, and they kind of vote to accept this Commission's findings. They're like, "All right, you know what? We'll give, literally, give this election to Hayes." Uh, and that's the, the compromise. Condition. Yeah. Well, what's so the what's the condition?
0: condition? Well, the Go condition ahead. is: all right, we will give you the presidency. You will become President of the United States. But you have to agree to pull all federal troops out of the South, which basically yep. means you leave the South, and then whatever the Southerners want to do when it comes to African Americans and their rights and stuff like that, it's going to happen because they're not going to be protected by federal troops anymore. Right. That's, that's what, and that's what takes place. Yep. So Hayes pulls um, federal troops out of the South, and it ended Republican governments and ended reconstruction in the south that's it it's over 1877 is the end of reconstruction
1: and it, what happens at this point is there's like an, a massive reversal all the gains that african americans made during this time are basically reversed yeah. on a state level
0: yeah they stop winning elections That's it. all the, all yep. those things yep.
1: they get voted out um there's essentially no soldiers to support them right which is which is what we're seeing here that's happening violence increases yep um And then you kind of, most of them become tenant farmers or sharecroppers, right? That kind of becomes, what kind of, I guess, shackles, I don't know if that's the right word, but maybe perhaps it is. It shackles African-Americans back into these, like to poverty ultimately, right? So many of the African-Americans returned to the plantations that were owned by these whites um, and they worked for wages, became tenant farmers, but because they couldn't really afford to pay, they didn't make that much money for this rent. Um, They became sharecroppers. So what that meant is that they didn't pay the rent in cash; they paid their uh, share in crops. And often, as much as like one half to two thirds of all their crops were given to these white farm owners. You know, as a sharecropper, but then you you know, as a sharecropper, you also needed seed and other supplies, and the landlords would not give you those, so you had to go to these country stores where you would be given these supplies, but with interest rates as high as forty percent. Which means that if you could not pay these um, interest rates, then you had to sign these crop liens where basically you had to give these merchants your crops to cover these debts. Ultimately, you're in so much debt that... It's know, economic it's, slavery. Is yeah, what it it's basically. literally economic slavery of African Americans. It, it, it's, it's a way
0: to exactly. go around. It's a way to keep the African Americans where they are. It's a way to basically...
1: Ensure that they don't, they insured, they don't yes.
0: succeed. It's yeah. a way to enslave them without calling it slavery. Yes. And they're going to put in all those new – similar type of black codes are going to go into place. Like he said before, all those gains are gone. And it's basically – if you look back at the Reconstruction era in like hindsight, you can really make the argument that it was Congress, the presidents of that era, right? The military, yep. the civilians, they all really made a lot of mistakes, right? That yep. basically goes back and it causes a lot of issues that continue for years later. In American history, yeah, like we said, like without, if they just would have fixed the issues there, addressed the problems, and I get it was hard because these people are they just fought in a war ten years before, and I expecting them to be friends more or less, right? So yeah. It's just not going to happen. It's not going to be that simple. It's not going to be that easy. But it can happen if there's you know a bit more hard work, it's a bit more compromise put in place, and neither side really wanted to do that, and that's why it just leads to the just a complete. You know, basically, reinstitution of slavery in the South for African Americans.
1: So, a few things that kind of come out of this, um, as you mentioned, right? There's no more Black Codes, but now we have Jim Crow laws. Yeah. So, as all these Southern states and Jim Crow laws are down south, they're not necessarily in the north. Um, these are state laws. So, Jim Crow laws are state legislation. It is not federal legislation. And what they do is they create, you know. Especially starting with Plessy versus Ferguson, they create this idea of um, separate but equal. You know, it's this legal doctrine yeah. that says that public uh, facilities, public education, everything else could be segregated as long as it's equal. And as we know, it was not equal. No. Perhaps we should do. No. Perhaps we should do a, a sequel to this podcast and do the civil rights movement, which basically civil rights movement is Reconstruction Part Two. It's, um,
0: it's almost re- Reconstruction, like what is promised, right? Yeah. Yeah, are picking up where it left off and they are trying to really fulfill those promises of the reconstruction era.
1: Yep. And so many historians believe that reconstruction failed because of what happened at the very end of it. And that was usually the narrative until late 1980s. In the late 1980s, a historian by the name of Eric Foner uh, wrote his master thesis, a huge book essentially on reconstruction. And Eric Foner was the first modern historian to say, actually, Reconstruction was very successful. And he said, don't look at it in what happened at the very end. Look at it at what it left behind. And the point that he brought up is that if there was no military reconstruction, right, if Congress did not stop the readmitting of the southern states back into the Union, they would have never, ever in American history passed the 13th, 14th and 15th Amendment. That's the the opposition was there.
0: That's a legacy, I guess. You can argue of the Reconstruction is yeah. uh, yes, you can say it failed because it didn't fully reconstruct the country, but it does lay that groundwork. Without the 13 fourteen and fifteen Amendments, you can't. There's have no civil the, rights movement. You There's can't have the civil rights, rights movement in the sixties because you don't have that foundation. Yeah.
1: Yep. So well, essentially, what MLK is doing a uh, hundred years later, what civil rights leaders are doing in 1950s and sixties, and NAACP for so many years prior to that, they're simply trying to hold. Southern states accountable in the face of the law to adhere to the laws that are already passed in the US Constitution. They're fighting so that way the Southern states and the federal government enforces the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendment.
0: Enforce what is already part of the government. Exactly. Enforce what is in our constitution. These are amendments, these are added to the Constitution, and let's actually enforce these laws, these protections which are given, which are guaranteed. Yep. Right? Yep. Yeah. They're guaranteed. So let's let's make them be guaranteed, truly guarantee these these laws, these, these freedoms, these rights. And unfortunately it takes another hundred years just to get more of those guarantees put in place. And you can make the argument that it's it's still not fully there, that we're yep. still not there as a nation.
1: Absolutely. And you know, but I think Foner, like you said, and we both agree to this, Foner had a good good point with that because Imagine if the democrats and the states were admitted under Johnson and then the 13 14 and 15th amendment came up for for vote yeah,
0: they would never passed they would never have passed no there's no way exactly so, yeah you could say it might maybe like maybe reconstruction part 1 is successful reconstruction yeah. part 2 not so much because you have to have that reconstruction part 3 with the civil rights movement yeah. and that's, that's still point. debated how how successful that was
1: this is the story of Reconstruction, and you know. hopefully now that you heard it, you'll know what we mean when, and when you see the words Reconstruction, you hear what about we're really it. talking about. Yeah, it's a debate on how to really end slavery appropriately in the United States and how to reintroduce freedmen into society. That's what and, the story of Reconstruction is. And
0: reintroduce is. the states back into the Union.
1: Yep. So this is our podcast on Reconstruction in lieu of Black History Month, and we really should hit up Civil Rights. Maybe down the line, that's something we should do. Yeah, absolutely. So as always, uh, thank you so much, guys, for listening. We are getting more and more emails and ratings and stuff, so we really, uh, we really appreciate. Yeah, you we guys appreciate listening.
0: the feedback one way or the other. We appreciate just uh, the support. And yeah. yeah, if you have any suggestions on a future podcast or any suggestions like that, just let us know. We, we definitely, we definitely take it to heart.
1: Yep, absolutely. I had a student today actually make a suggestion. She's so funny. Um, She's like, you know, I was always wondering, like, why things are the way they are. And I'm like, okay, that's a little vague. Um, and she's like, no, you know, like an outlet. Like, how come the outlet has, the, like, the two holes in it? Like, how come it has it that way? Or how come you make, you know, certain things from wood and other things from metal? And, and I'm like, okay, like, you're getting there. But, like, you know, she's like, you could maybe do a podcast on that. And I'm like, well, <laughs> yeah, but that's a little broad. <laughs> you gotta, like, okay, well, I'll work with that. I'll work with that. So we need to talk about that, Tom. We'll make it work. Greenstone. Why are outlets? Why are outlets looking this way? I mean, there's definitely a reason. Of course, a, there's a reason. Yeah, circuitry
0: should... in the, I guess the current, right, and things like that. <laughs>
1: circuitry. Look at you. You actually, dude, that sounded so legit.
0: Right how now, about, well, actually... how about why do we drive on a parkway and park in a driveway?
1: Right. I mean, there's got to be a reason why we call these things that. Okay. Jumbo shrimp. So, what? Right. So here's a shout out to my student. There, I'm gonna, I'm gonna figure this out. We'll make, we'll make an episode about this. Anyway. Thank you so much, guys, for listening. I hope you have an amazing week, and we will see you guys, or I guess you could hear us next week. Enjoy. Stay safe, everybody. I hope everyone enjoyed our podcast, and if you would like to email us, you can do so at historyteacherspodcast at gmail.com. Hello, everyone.